today I have the most amazing guest, Becky Holston, life coach, counselling, can help all of those that are going through hard times, maybe a little bit stuck with where they're going in life, maybe need help with their businesses, relationships, personal goals. I've seen Becky over the years and she has done wonders for myself. I really think you guys are going to enjoy the podcast today. We talk about lockdown, what has happened to some of us. Some of us have grown, some of us have maybe been too scared to grow and use this time as kind of a coming out as a butterfly, kind of re-evolving, re-changing, re-energizing ourselves and looking forward to what will be a more positive future, we hope, for all of us. Please check Becky out. Um, I hope you enjoy the podcast and check myself out, Simone Thomas Wellness, on Instagram and Facebook. And I hope you love listening to Living Life Well with Simone Thomas. have an incredible guest today Becky welcome welcome to the living life well podcast for those that don't know who Becky is Becky is an incredible life coach healer offers counseling services and is somebody that's helped me through my journey over the last 10 years so welcome Becky thank you Simone thank you so much for having me as well on your podcast I'm really really pleased to be doing this today I'm very excited, I have to admit. I think with everything that we've been going through at present, I couldn't have thought of someone that I would want, you know, to start my first podcast with everybody. And I think it's something that we need right now. You know, everybody needs a Becky in their pocket, in their little black book. And I know that you've helped me over the years as you have, you know, other people that I know. So I think it's just incredible that we're able to kind of launch the show and really be able to kind of give back to people right now. Yeah. And, you know, who saw 2020 coming? Um, Definitely. I saw something funny on social media saying, you know, when when we wrote our goals about where we want to be five years from now, who'd have seen it looking like this and feeling like that? Um, But I don't know about you, but I've seen people either come in two different camps. You've either got people who are surprising themselves and are healthier and feeling better because they've had some time to focus on themselves. Or you've got people who for various reasons, haven't taken the time to look at themselves or are afraid to look at themselves or the demands on them are just really high because they're holding the wheels of the country for everybody else. And therefore that, you know, those people are going to need some restoration that some of the rest of us have benefited from in this time. But it seems to be two different camps. I don't know if you're finding that. You've either got the people who've really embraced some well-being different than they had before and are finding a bit more inner peace as a result of that. Or you've got the people who are not coping so well and not knowing how to deal with, you know, the fear of the unknown and some of the difficult emotions that putting a big spotlight on all of our lives like this and total fear and everything being out of our control can bring up for people. No, it's true. And I think, you know, some people either like change or they just like having everything as routine. They like waking up in the morning and it's kind of Groundhog Day and they don't like change. Um, And I've seen that with friends and family that have just struggled with what is, you know, the new, new ahead, struggling with, you know, even going to the supermarket and kind of having to have a structure to just go and do something so simple as like buying a loaf of bread. Um, And I always kind of say to my staff, you know, you're either a warrior or you kind of become a victim. And I think, 
you know, if you take a step back with what we're going through, none of us are going to get this opportunity again. Okay, it's not the best opportunity that we're in, but who's ever going to get 12 or 16 weeks to work on themselves, their family, their relationships, maybe come out having a new career or a new path. We're never going to have time at home for the majority of us being paid um, to kind of become a new person and sometimes a better person. But then like you were saying, there's others that just don't see it that way and, and kind of feel trapped and aren't quite necessarily able to get out of that feeling of suffocation and being scared to kind of use it as a positive. But yeah, it's definitely the, something I've seen. I read online um, and have experienced myself and, and stuff as well. You know, I've had good days where I'm like, right, come on, I can take over the world. And then other days I'm I want to get out of bed, you know, and I feel horrendous and I want to cry and I'm getting stressed. But yeah, I think we've all kind of gone through um, different, you know, feelings of anxiety and, and kind of scared and, and everything else yeah. as well. And sometimes all of that within a morning. Yep, yeah, before you know, 11 o'clock and your banana bread's in your belly. Completely. <laughs> and I think it's important to, to not attach too much meaning to that, that, you know, that we've never, ever known a time that anyone can relate to where the whole world stopped. No, it's true. And I think even like our grandparents, for those that are still alive, you know, it's not something that they've necessarily experienced. They've experienced war, which you physically see, where this is not something that you're able to see. So I think for a lot of us, it's quite hard to understand and get our head around that we can't physically see what is, you know, around us. It's only what we read in the news or what we see when we're walking down the street, where we normally like to physically have something to blame, if that makes sense. You actually like to see an object or the disaster zone. Um, But for a lot of us it's just it's hard to kind of get our head around for sure and for some people they'd had a tough few years leading up to this so you know certainly what I'm seeing and obviously fortunately for me I am able to still see clients online you know and I can use all the skills that I normally use online and still get the same results so I'm you know getting the opportunity to take the pulse of the nation as well because it's interesting you'll see all the men wobble on one day and then you'll see all the people who are I've got their own businesses wobble on a different week. And then you'll see the single mums wobble on a different time. And I can see the the trends of who's contacting me when and who who needs, you know, who's having a crisis moment. I've got to say for the most of my clients I work with longer term, they're actually managing really well because as I've said to them, some of the reasons they've come to work with me is they've already had their coronavirus in their life. They've already lost a lot. They've already been through some tough challenges. And what they've now learned is some resilience and resources to get through those times, which is key, I think. One of the biggest problems is school sets us up with this expectation that there is only two destinations and that is success or fail. And if you don't feel that your life is going on a steadily up climb momentum, then you're a failure. And that's when leads us to be really hard on ourselves. That leads us to, you know, bring in the shame. It leads, you know, it destroys our self-confidence and self-esteem. And then it's really hard when demands are tough on you too. So I think one of the most, you know, the important things here is to really find some ways to take a look at yourself and and I don't know about you but one of the big things that's come up for me is I really really connected with what's important to me in life you know and in my job I have to look at myself too you know I don't escape uh, myself there so learning you know I've always been really spot on and thinking I understood what was important to me but I've discovered some new things uh, about myself and what's truly important to me just from having a bit more space you know some of which of that space I have resented and some you know I've had my times when I've had anxiety I've had my times when I've been afraid of the future 
and then I've just gone back to not watching the news and taking my life a week at a time. So, you know, there's been times where I've forgotten, you know, I've spent 30 years studying people and how to change your life. So, you know, if I'm having a wobble, people who haven't looked at themselves must be having a big wobble and, and to know that that's okay. No, it's true. I mean, I've definitely had wobbles, you know, owning a business and like you say, the news, you know, the news is great in one way, but then there's so much false news or fake news and, and we're very you know, we're culprits of listening to that little bit of information that you want to listen and then you kind of forget the rest and, you know, Facebook forums and social media forums talking about the industry that I work in, that we're never going to open this year and how is it possible and all of that and then how can you keep staff and then you have staff that then become anxious and then it kind of creates this like volcano effect that then everybody around you um, that you're responsible for kind of worries and then obviously you've got all of that kind of on your shoulders. You then take that home, you know, into the marriage or the partnership or with the children and for me you know you're then not as happy or the best mum that you could be because you've got all of that pressure and you're having a bad day and then you take it out on the ones that you love and, and stuff as well but like you were saying I, I've kind of put a structure in place that I try and you know go on my bike instead of driving everywhere at the moment so even if it's to the bakers or the butchers it's my kind of 40 minutes I've got my Ibiza tunes in my ear pod and off I'm going you know and I don't have even wear a helmet which I should but that's kind of my release you know of kind of just switching off and not thinking about work or the responsibilities that I have as a you know as a mother or, or as a boss you know and just kind of being Simone Thomas and that's one of the things you know years ago when I came to see yourself and I can't remember the actual technique name but it was where you got me to stand up and certain words would have a positive or a negative effect on yeah. a person and one of the things that was quite interesting was my name held a real negative and I you kind of go flying back if that's correct when, when it's kind of negative yeah your actual it, body moves it does you know, it literally like I yeah, thought you jumped out of your seat most and people <laughs> to find that this involuntary yeah muscle movement happens which seems like sort of some sort of weird magic at the time but actually in actual fact everyone's capable of doing it it's just that um, we we just don't know how to access our own healing no no when we cut ourselves our body heals we can get in the way of that by drinking loads of alcohol and having a bad diet and making it really hard for our bodies to heal or we can support it with our well-being to help our bodies to heal and our mental health is exactly the same so yeah it's about learning different ways so what was that you got from that so I I never knew my name had had such a negative effect on myself and it took me a while I remember we we kept working on it I think probably about half Mm. an hour of me just saying my name and when I then kind of left I realized that actually because it's you know the name of the business and my name and even growing up I was never called Simone so I had a nickname, which I absolutely hated, which was Mo, which just reminds me of Mo from EastEnders, which is the worst possible thing to have as kind of a reference. But how it had kind of obviously eaten away at me from such a young age into now, because obviously my business is named after me. So it's that kind of pressure of, you know, who is Simone Thomas, not Simone Thomas as a brand or a business. And that's what, you know, that one session alone, it was just purely us working on my name, um, you know, which we kind of spent an hour. And obviously, eventually, my body did go forward, thank God. And it had a positive feeling instead of this kind of scared, kind of having to feel like I've always got to be a certain way and be strong for everybody around me, that it is okay to cry. It's okay to hold my hands up and say, you know, I suffer with anxiety or I'm having a bad day and I can't be this smiley character that everybody expects you to be. You know, it's learning that 
actually it is okay not to be okay and not to be scared to talk about it and um you know to let people know you know I come see yourself or other people um you know there's nothing wrong in that and I think a lot of people have realized that nowadays that there's nothing wrong or no shame in suffering with any form of anxiety or mental illness or having a wobble or even having a cry um but we've definitely changed I think over the last couple of years of how we communicate and who we tell and and what what it's about starting to and I think we've got a big problem with weakness so anything that feels weak and you know chaps have had it harder as well because they've been programmed for thousands and thousands Mm. of years don't cry like a girl man up you know all of those offensive programs which your nervous system learns as a young boy and as a girl you know come on get on with it don't be weak don't show your feelings you know, we've been programmed like that. And, and actually, that's just not humanity. And that's not, you know, in the human manual that we don't get born with, our emotions are a big part of our communication system. So when we suppress our emotions, they've got to go somewhere. Um, I think also the other big problem with the mental health um, story as we have it is we've been given a very disempowering mental health story. We're being told that there's something wrong with us. When in actual fact, what we've done is we've we've um, diminished emotions. So no one, when's the last time you heard, you heard someone say, I'm afraid? Mm-hmm. We don't use the word I'm afraid anymore. We just, you know, everyone just says anxiety. Yeah, actually, anxiety is a very different thing and it's measured differently. No one says they're afraid. No, it's true. And I suppose at the moment when you say to people, how are you? I'm okay. Well, to me, no. and I always say to me, okay it's not good that that's not an answer how actually are you and then people think why am I saying I'm okay because actually I'm not okay you know I'm scared or I'm stressed or I can't afford to pay my mortgage this month or whatever but we're so used to like you're saying just kind of masking over it because we don't necessarily want to say what's wrong or we don't believe the person asking is actually that interested and I always say to you know anyone around me like how are you not I'm okay because okay means you're not okay that's just I don't want to talk because I'm probably going to cry or you know I'm going to take up some time and and it is and I think like you say it's um there's different forms of it and you know no one should be kind of scared to communicate and to talk and my dad always said to me it's good to cry and I was one of my memories of him from a young age you know to cry you know, and, it, and even to my young boys, I always say to them, if you want to cry, cry. If you want to scream, scream. You know, show me your emotions and talk to me, even though they're quite young now. So it's helping them to learn that they have got a voice to say, well, actually, no, mum, I don't want a hug. You know, like, ask me if I do. And if I do, I'll have a hug. Don't just automatically go to them and, and assume that they want a hug sure. because they've got their own minds. I mean, crying, it's, our, it's the first way we communicate when we enter the world, right? And... You know, I actually went to an eight hour seminar about crying. I mean, that's how fanatical I am about people. And it was really interesting to me. And some of the things I learned about crying is that, you know, if you think about it, there's nothing that our body doesn't do that on some level hasn't been well designed. And crying is actually a way of our bodies getting rid of the stress hormone, one of the stress hormones called cortisol. And cortisol in big quantities is very, very dangerous to our bodies. And in fact, in very, very young infants who ex- who experience extreme trauma, I mean, really extreme trauma, what happens is their brain is flooded with this hormone cortisol and it actually damages their emotional circuitry, which means that certain emotional connections then are unable to wire up as they would do if the brain hadn't been flooded with cortisol. So our bodies are very cleverly designed to get rid of waste product, aren't they? They are. Right. So (laughs) someone who doesn't cry is actually emotionally constipated. 
And, I like that. I like that. You know, that. that's what it is. Um, you know, so tears are an ingenious way of our bodies letting go. And as human beings, we are not good at letting go. We have learned to control. We have not learned to let go. And so we've got to differentiate the difference. And one of the one of the key things is to start have get our emotional language back. You know, if you're afraid, okay, with the right person, you've got to, you know, it's got to be people that, that feel safe to express yourself, not not to show your vulnerability and then get stabbed for it, you know, um, emotionally. You know, so there are people, unfortunately, that, will, that, that are hurting and will use their hurting to hurt other people. But on the whole, we actually all want to support each other. So I think it's about, I think one of the best ways to increase your mental well-being is to start using the language you mean. So if you're afraid, say you're afraid, but say what you're afraid of, because suddenly when you voice it and another person recognizes it, it loses its power. You know, I, I spend thousands and thousands of hours a year, thousands of hours a year, mm-hmm. holding a safe space for people to explore their feelings. And we all have the ability to heal ourselves. I'm doing myself out of a job here in the future, <laughs> but we do. We all have the ability to heal ourselves. We just, A, don't make time for it. But what have we got right now for some people? Yeah, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also we get the time. What do we do with it? Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I love a bit of Netflix, but we fill it. We suddenly start doing all the extreme exercise. Now there's a point where exercise is health. And then there's a point where exercise is numbing feelings and numbing feelings. All those feelings are stuffed and trapped down inside of us. And if we've got really good at not feeling our feelings, we actually won't even know that they're inside of us until we break out an eczema or we have a heart attack or something really big happens that's out of our control and then we break apart and that's really hard to cope with. So, you know, my purpose on this earth is to try and find people way before that's ever going to happen and steer them away from that. But our whole nervous system is involved in this. So, you know, we can think we're fine, but do we feel we're fine? And that's two different conversations. And obviously, you know, one of the techniques you experienced with me is very much about getting the body to tell the truth. Because the body never lies. And the body always remembers what's happened to you. Your mind doesn't. You know, that's where people can, you know, no one would, everyone would only have one child if their mind could remember pain, right? Yeah, that's very true. And it's interesting you say you only remember certain things because I don't remember my childhood. And it's something that we touched upon, you know, many, many years ago. And, you know, it wasn't horrific, but it wasn't amazing. But there's obviously things there that have made my body not remember and I'm quite happy with that but yeah when people always say to me oh you know what's your fondest memory as a child I'm like don't really remember any (laughs) I remember like the odd thing but it is it's masking and it's kind of you know like you say it's like boxes and and tape and there's ways that the body can kind of switch off for for whatever reasons Mm. and, and stuff as well but then I find also as I get older I start to have flashbacks or I think oh actually did I go there or I've, I've been there or I've seen a picture and then I kind of think to myself oh actually I think I do remember that but because my brain's obviously thinking about other things nowadays and not things from sort of 30 35 years ago I find it very hard to kind of remember what was then you know back as a child and, and stuff as well and you know again that that is an example of our brilliant healing systems that say you know some of this isn't safe for you to be able to mm-hmm. process right now so we're just going to put it here on a coat hanger but at some point you're going to have to revisit it. Mm. And sometimes if you've stuffed everything in the cupboard and then you've run out of coat hangers 
and then there's a big influx of stuff coming in. Well, that's when you've got a problem. But the ideal is not to get to the point of overwhelm. I'd say the majority of people come to see me at a point of overwhelm. And I'm saying that's six months too late. Yeah, that's what happened to myself because I was, um, I think I had a baby and I had another one and I was going through a pretty, pretty awful time in my personal life and business. And and literally I I was lost. And I remember I just came to you and I think within 20 seconds, I just started crying (laughs) and then couldn't kind of stop crying and not really much came out, but I then felt better for it, you know, and it sometimes doesn't matter what you say. It's just having that safety net that there's somebody there that if you do get in a really bad way that knows how to build the pieces together and is the specialist that can create that safe environment and you know it's um it's one thing I always recommend you know when staff have had you know bad experiences or bad times or clients you know I always say to them there's somebody I know I would never know what goes on but just trust me you know I've been and people always like have you well, you've got all your stuff together and, you know, you're very organised, but it's not about that. Everybody's got a breaking point and, you know, in a weak zone. And for a lot of people, those cracks are now appearing probably more because of what we're going through, you know, and and stuff as well. And people have got a lot of anxiety because they're going back to work or what's work going to be. And they've maybe not used this time wisely. Yeah. And I think one of the, I think one of the sadnesses is, yeah, whilst, you know, I've done a lot of training and, but I've also always had a passion for people, but we can all support each other. And I think, you know, the, the fact that my demands are so high shows how fragmented we've become and how busy we've become and how we've lost our priorities in the world because we can all listen to each other. And listening is one of the most, we've got two ears, but when do we really listen? And, you know, we might be there, but are we present? No, we've picked up our phone. I think one of the biggest impacts on our mental health and our ability to connect with others is we're becoming afraid of being still. And once we start fearing being still, then we're in problems. So, and the busier we become, the more addicted our nervous systems become to seeing stillness as a threat. And you see people, they can't even walk down the street without having some sort of phone interaction. They can't sit with you and have a coffee or, or, you know, or a drink or something without checking their phone. And unless they've got six and a half thousand staff and there's a fire in the building, you know, or your, your children are ill, can we not just find half an hour where we can just sit and be present and, and really see and feel how someone's doing and also ask some questions, but also listen? No, it's very true. Without jumping in with your own story, um, you know, you're a good listener. I, I, I hope I'm a good listener. But one of the things I had an experience in my early, sort of late teens, early 20s, and I had an accident, lost the ability to talk for three years. And in those three years, I spent in silence. I was mute. I was certainly mute for a solid two years. And then I had intensive speech therapy to try and regain back the, the use of sound. And there was a lot of, you know, it was a hard time in some ways. I lost confidence towards the end because when you can't communicate, people treat you very differently. They, um, you know, some people are much gentler with you because they see your vulnerability that you're not able to communicate. But a lot of people assume that you're stuck up or that you're not interested, that you think you're better than them. Mm. Um, You can't say thank you when someone opens a door for you unless you're looking at them and you can mouth the words. But there was a very real inner peace. And what you lose is the, you lose the ego to be right, to be wrong, to be funny. Still debatable, that one. Um, You lose a lot of the unnecessary and you start to see what people are really thinking and feeling. Because every thought that we have shows on our body. 
it shows somewhere. And those uh, those years of watching people to stay, you know, my way of staying connected to the world was to be around people, but I would just be watching. And I started to see that people's thoughts show on their bodies. They show in tiny little ways, in little changes and little changes of breath and the way the eyes change and little nervous twitches here and there. So I learned to watch the ballet of the body and to understand what the body was really saying, which very often is very different than what the mouth is saying. Particularly when you ask someone, how are you? I'm fine. And the body does like some sort of <laughs> twitchy thing and a little... Or like, the nervous shoulder right. shake. <laughs> and you're like, mm, I don't think you are quite as fine, but you know, it may not be appropriate for me to, to bring, yeah. that, bring that up, you know, in, mm. in a passing queue in Tesco's or something. So I think we all have the ability to listen. And I think if that's what, you know, but not just to other people, to ourselves. You know, the good listeners for other people may be bad listeners to themselves. So therefore, how do you know what's important to you if you're not listening to what's important to you? And therefore, how do you put boundaries down with other people, which is another thing that affects our mental health, is our inability to say no. Yeah. We say yes and our heart says no, or I haven't got the capacity to do that. And instead of finding a solution, we just say yes. So I think... Being able to put down, you know, boundaries of fences with love, I say. So it's about learning to put those fences down to illustrate what's important to me. Because if I don't know, and then I get waspy with someone else because they're violating my boundaries, but I haven't really put the boundaries down, like that's not really their fault. So it's about finding out, you know, the best thing you can do in this time is identify, you know, what are the, what are the three biggest things that are important to you in life? And if you don't know, that's okay. Like, don't just move on and put the toaster on actually sit down and say, you know, what, what is important to me in my life? And I suppose it doesn't matter what they are, because no. some people might say that they're materialistic. But if that's what's important to them right now, then that's what they, I suppose, should kind of work on. Because in six months time, that will probably have changed or they, are, yeah. they, they would have changed along that kind of process and, and stuff as well. Sure. And where we put our energy gets bigger. We get more of where we put our energy. So we put our energy into our fear managing our fear what are we going to get we're going to get more fear so if we put our energy into love what are we going to get we're going to get more love if we put our energy into um, achievement we're going to get more achievement but also the important thing is and you know and I've I've seen hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years that have forgotten to write goals in any other than their business so they've got all their business goals how's your relationships uh not so good you know, how's your family life? Uh, not so good. How's your health? Uh, not so good. Because I haven't written any goals. Now, you know, you'll hear a lot of coaches banging on about goals. I've got a slightly different take on goals. I think it's important to know what's important to you. So you're knowing where you want to take your life. But at the same point, it's important to not get too attached to those goals because that's where the beating yourself up comes from. Fear, the sense of failure, not feeling good enough and all of those things that can really put you on a roller coaster. Um, and anyone who has their own business is probably nodding right now too. Yeah. Um, so, so that's important. But I think one of the biggest things that I've discovered with working with hundreds of people over the years is in essence, and I've just written a book about this, I'm, you know, I'm looking to get published at the moment. In essence, our relationship with how we feel safe in the world builds everything. And there are three questions which I would like to invite everybody to answer. Now, these are really powerful questions. And if you haven't got an answer straight away, that's okay. And if it brings up some stuff for you, that's okay. Like I just want you to notice that and think, oh, that's interesting. Because I remember when I first discovered these three questions and they blew me away. And the first question, you kind of got to go with a gut instinct answer. So not, not a overthinking it answer mm -hmm. and a not, not a pandemic answer. This would have been what you would have answered in December yeah. before all this kicked off. 
So if I ask the question, do you believe the world is safe or dangerous? What does your gut say? I would say safe. Right. Yeah. And then if you say, do you believe people are safe or dangerous? Safe. Right. And then if you say, do you believe you are safe or dangerous to others? Safe. Right. So there's three safe answers. Mm. But also, I know you've done a lot of work to work to wear those yeah. safe answers, yeah. right? But at the same point, there's a lot of people who will have answered dangerous there. Yeah, of course. Now, if you have anxiety, you will answer dangerous to one of those questions. And if you've just answered safe and you still have anxiety, then you need to look at your relationship with control. Because actually, is, are you only feeling safe when you're in control? And when we meet something we're not in control of, that's when, ah, I mean, you know, we all get it. Yeah. You know, I was, I was nailing it. And then I got cancer a few years back. And thankfully I'm fine now. But when you meet that and you're really not in control, then you find out how fragile you are and how much of your relationship with control makes you feel safe. And when you lose that, you really don't know whether you're coming or going. So there are some indicators with symptoms as well that, that show, you know, some people will answer safe. I'm not obviously talking about you in your case, but some people will answer safe. But the reality is when they're not in control of something, the opposite is true. And also, even if you do answer safe to all those questions, chances are you'll be married to or you will work for someone who doesn't. And you're going to have to manage them better because so what I've discovered is the foundation of our mental well-being involves us feeling safe in the world, safe with people and safe with ourselves. No, it's true. It's true. Because one of my fears from years ago was loss. I remember that always came up. I have a, and I still do now. And it was, um, yeah, fear of loss and kind of like death. And like you were saying, like, you know, when you people write their business plans or they don't necessarily look at themselves personally. But if you overthink things, it's like the law of attraction. You can, you know, attract negative as you can positive. So I think we covered upon it years ago that I used to play out scenarios in my head as a safety net of well, what if this happened and that person died okay well if that happened I'll be okay because I've pre-thought about it and I'll be able to protect myself and then I realized don't think like that because you're gonna kind of attract it in that kind of way that just don't worry about the loss and start healing why I get scared of loss instead of playing out scenarios of individual people around me that I love that might get ill or might die and that took me years you know and, and it is still now if you said to me what's my biggest fear I would definitely say probably loss because you know I worry about my two children or I play out in my head but what if they fall out of the window you know and last summer typically I had this thought and I said oh I've just got this feeling that William's going to just jump out of a window and then two weekends later we're in the garden who was up in the window hi mummy and I was like oh my god I was like I only just said this two weeks ago no. but again it's that kind of fear thinking about it and then kind of attracting it which is not a great thing to attract so I'm trying to deal and learn you know not to think about those things to kind of process it but not overthink it and, and stuff as well and it's something that I know we touched upon years yeah. ago but that brings in another important equation, and you know, and I'm glad that you, you know, you you caught that one. Quickly. Luckily, you didn't jump yeah. out the window. <laughs> um, but another part of the important equation in our mental health and well-being is gut instincts. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people who ex who suffer from extreme anxiety have actually got great gut instincts. The problem is they're confusing fear with gut instincts. So when they imagine something's going to happen in the future, they treat it as a gut instinct, so they trust it. But then they don't trust their gut instincts because their gut instincts would say it's fine. Like right now for me, you know, who knows what's happening next week? But my gut says everything's fine. 
yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay. But then at times when I, you know, before I got diagnosed with cancer, my gut went, get this out of you. Mm. So my gut told me over the evidence, which at the time I'd had a biopsy, which was fine. Um, my gut was like, nah, this is not good. Mm. But the, the way you build a relationship with your gut instincts is by spending time with yourself and learning to trust yourself. And if you're being blaming yourself, if you're being hard on yourself, if you're speaking negatively to yourself, you're destroying that relationship with your instincts. And we're instinctive animals. And it's so important to have that relationship with, with your instincts. You know, again, as a part of my book, I interviewed loads of um, special forces and extreme wave riders in Hawaii. You know, the guy, girl, well, it was a girl actually, who goes out, you know, they're towed by jet skis out into those enormous waves. Like yeah. they, they'd take your bikini off yeah. in a second, they would. <laughs> That's if you wear one in the yeah, first place. exactly. <laughs> and um, you're, you're not going to get out of that one if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and I wanted to understand from, and firefighters too, and I wanted to understand from them what made them be able to thrive under threat. Mm. And I elicited, and even they, they wouldn't have been able to tell me, but they told me stories which meant that I could put together a strategy that they all used. Um, but one of the stories some of the special forces guys told me was one night they were in the desert and they were going out on a mission and they were feeling uneasy, all of them. So these are big Roughy tufty guys who perhaps pack their emotions away when they go to work, but they were all, I don't, there's something doesn't feel right. So what they, luckily the weather turned really cold and the mission was called off. No, sorry, before that, I got it wrong. Before that, they were feeling uneasy. So they called in RAF air cover who came in with their thermal Im imaging cameras, scanned the dark desert in front of them and came back and said, there's nothing out there. So the evidence came in from the air that all was well. Did that make them feel better? No. So their guts were still going, this doesn't feel right. As I said, the weather turned for the worse. They got called off the mission. And then when they went out the next day on the same thing, that's when they found all the dugouts where the Taliban had been buried. They were about to walk into an ambush. Mm -hmm. How did their gut know that over the air cover and the evidence? So this is where, you know, some really three ways you can really improve your well-being at this time is, is one, to trust your gut instincts. Second, to start labeling your emotions, like use emotional language. We become really lazy. We just use anxiety and we mm. just use stress. Stress is acceptable. Anxiety is acceptable. But actually, they're all symptoms. And yet you might not want to tell your boss what you're really afraid of, but you need some friends or some loved ones that you can trust because when you express it, it loses its power. Um, and my third top tip would be the third top tip would be any time we get that negative self-talk, you know, you know, the voices that come in your head, you look awful today, or you can't do that, or you're not good enough for this or that, you know, we've all got those negative self-talks. I've actually evicted mine, but it does creep back sometimes. And how I evicted it, it's very, very simple. And given the damage and the pain that these voices in our head, and it is normal to have them give us, most people don't understand that the solution is so simple. So what you can do is whenever those voices kick in, the trick is to identify them, is to tell them, I approve of myself. So you just reply back, I approve of myself. You don't get in a dialogue. It's like arguing with a toddler. Don't get in a dialogue with it. Don't try and rationalise. Don't try and explain. Just say, I approve of myself. Some days it will come back. Well, no, you don't. In which case, I approve of myself. If one day you say it 100 times, the next day you'll say it 50. And then the day after that, it will be five. And then it'll go. You'll feel it back off and lose its power as you take over. So that's a really good way as well of getting rid of the negative self-talk 
And it's the negative self-talk that diminishes our self-confidence. It diminishes our self-esteem and it diminishes our self-worth, which then makes life a lot harder, lockdown or no lockdown. No, it's funny you say that, that last part, like, um, as you know, years ago, I lost my hair and my hair's always been a a funny thing for me, like a confidence thing. And it's one of the things that, you know, a lot of clients, they suffer, you know, with hair loss and anxiety. And in the past, you know, people have come to see you about how they feel just about the hair loss. But then obviously it's all the things that are within them that's making them feel that way. And even now I've got my hair, you know, whatever. It's always that one little thing on my shoulder that always knocks my confidence. And if someone says to me, oh, your hair looks nice, I'll say, I'll always come back with a negative instead of absorbing that kind of positive comment. I'll always say, oh, well, you know, it's too short or it's not as thick as it used to be um, instead of accepting it and saying, well, thank you. And then, like you say, eventually those thoughts I probably still have will kind of vanish and, and stuff as well. And, and we all do it. Everybody has something about them that, you know, they, they don't like or they wish was better or they look at a picture in a magazine or whatever and, and you know, would rather be like that. But yeah, it's interesting that you, you kind of say that because I can definitely resonate with that and say even now, at, you know, nearly 40, it is still something that knocks me. You know, the age 40, you think you'd have all your, your kind of ducks in a row and you'd kind of be sorted. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 50 or 60 we all still need to work on ourselves because you don't, like you say, come into the world and you're made. It's an ongoing journey, you know, till the day that we die, you're always learning and exploring and recreating yourselves or kind of the current situation. We're all hopefully going to come out much better people, you know, hopefully less mobile phone usage, walking down the street, more engagement when you're out for a nice meal with friends, more open and honest that actually I don't feel great or I'm having a bad day, that hopefully, you know, everybody will kind of come out of this thinking a lot more positive and being a lot more open. And value and connection. I think what's very much gone missing in the world is connection. And you can see that in the supermarket where people think that you can catch coronavirus from a smile mm. and they've become afraid of people. You know, that gets yeah. back to yeah. my people safe or dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, no, people are safe, but you've got to have your boundaries down too. So you can skip through the world feeling people are safe when you can put boundaries and good self-esteem down. So, you know, connection is key. It really is. And, it, you know, if we all just took a bit more time to connect with the people around us, which is some of what's come out of this mm -hmm. time, we've checked in on our neighbours a bit more. We've perhaps identified a few more vulnerable people around us and we've checked in with those. The power of that is massive. And I'm really interested to see if we can get the right stats in the future, what other health conditions have gone down as a result of this time, uh, especially stress-related illnesses. I would, I'd be, you know, for some sectors there listening yeah. to this thinking, well, I didn't have a break, you know, demands were really high on me and I've been carrying the can for everybody or the main breadwinner for my family and, or, you know, I'm a single mum homeschooling or I'm working in a care home. But for those, your time will come too. And to, to be open to learning rather than quick to, to 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 go into victim mode but connection is key and 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 out of everything that's what i've missed i've missed connection i've missed touch i've missed hugging somebody you know it's it's those things i you know I don't have children that are cuddling me. I don't have, you know, I've been on my own for most of this time, obviously seeing a lot of clients and a friend's dog jumped into my arms and it was like, oh my God, this feels ever. amazing. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, you know, 
we need human touch. Mm -hmm. You know, my nervous system, when it's calm, has the ability to heal someone else's in the room who might be anxious. And we take that into every shop. We take that into every meeting. We take that in the room here today. So take that into your lives if you want to improve your relationships. No, it's true. I'm a very huggy, kissy, touchy-feely person to staff, to clients. So it's going to be very strange kind of how many hugs I can give in a day. I'm probably not allowed to give any. (laughs) But to me, that's my, that's just my love and, you know, attention or, you know, staff. I always give them a kiss in the morning or tap their bottom and, you know, whatever. And luckily no one reports me to HR. Um, But no, we have got that real love connection you know, within the business. So it's going to be very different for all of us of just what our normal morning kind of routine is. You know, it's going to be very, very different. But it's one thing I'm looking forward to when we do get back, I'm going to have a morning of some music and just a screaming session of just anyone can just shout out whatever word they want to just shout out and just kind of just get it out of their system, you know, and, and kind of help them that way and stuff as well so it's been incredible I literally could do a hundred topics with you there's so much I want to ask um you know and I know so many people sent in questions and it's not just about kind of lockdown you know people want to talk about relationships you know sexual chemistry how to come out of you know a bad relationship rebuild your confidence and stuff so I definitely know you'll be back and there will be so many kind of topics we can touch upon things that also you've helped me through that aren't necessarily relevant for today that would be for other Mm. things but it's been amazing to talk to you and for those that don't know you or how can they find you how can they reach out to you yeah and I'm always open to have a chat with somebody you know even if they're not sure they're right to work with me right now or they might not you know they might not know how I can help um I'm always open for a chat so you can find my website and it's Becky Holston that's b-e-c-k-i H-O-U-L-S-T-O-N dot com or dot co dot UK or just whack that into Google and, and I'll pop up, up one. <laughs> and um, and you can contact me through there either by email, phone or there's a contact form there and I'm always happy to have conversations. Fantastic. Well, have a great day, Becky. Thank, Thank you. you for joining the podcast Living Life Well and I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. If you want to send me your questions, your emails, do. You can follow me and the podcast on social media. You can find me on Simone Thomas Wellness. I'm also Facebook, Simone Thomas Wellness World. And I'd just really love to hear from you. 